we gather together on the, this morning of the first full day of our retreat together. Joining together physically in this, this single space of the shrine room. Joining together in our, in our voices, paying attention to the shrine, chanting, bowing, paying our respects to the Triple Gem. Now the words refer to Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha. But what makes these a, a true refuge and why they are the, the focus of attention and, and respect, reverence, is because they represent their descriptions, embodiments of the, the qualities of wakefulness. The Buddha means the one who is awake, that which knows, the one who is aware paying respect to awakenedness. Dhamma means the truth of the way things are. Means the Buddha's teachings, but also reality, nature, how it is. So we, we bow to the way it is and let go of the way we think it should be or could be or might have been. Sangha is, on one level, the community of those who followed the Buddha's way and reached liberation to some degree. Sangha means the, the spiritual community, the unified assembly. What enables us to unify with each other is unselfishness respectfulness, living virtuously. So to bow to the Sangha is to bow to unselfishness, to kindness. When the awakened mind sees the way things are, what emerges is wholesome action, beautiful action. So when we chant, when we bow, it's these principles that we're recollecting, putting at the center of our attention. Sitting here, gathered for this period of meditation, before we try to do anything with our minds, our bodies, it's helpful just to notice, how does it feel? This body, how is it? What are the sensations that we feel right now? Weight, lightness, heat, or coolness, comfort, discomfort, or numbness? forgetting that we had a body at all. How does it feel? And the mind, what's the mood? 
tired, wakeful, enthused, depressed, somewhere fuzzy in the middle. However it is, there's no right or wrong place to start, but it's important to pay attention, to bring attention to the material that we're working with. How is the body? How is the mind? Where are we starting from? Just take a moment to, uh, to feel that out, to notice what is the mood, how does the mind feel, how does the body feel. There are many different aspects to meditation, many different directions that it can take, that can be directed towards. In uh, the Buddhist approach to things, the, the core values that we seek to they develop with meditation are the qualities of, of wakefulness, being alert, attentive, and the quality of peacefulness. These are not special abilities that we acquire from outside, but natural attributes that the mind possesses already. And meditation is simply designed to, to bring those forth, to encourage those, to bring them into, into the light, to develop them. The mind and the body affect each other very closely. So if we wish to develop wakefulness, alertness on the one hand, and relaxation, peacefulness on the other, then how the body is, the attributes of the body, the way we hold the body, can either support or obstruct the development of those qualities of mind. So if we wish to have a mind that is peaceful, relaxed, it's important for the body to be peaceful, relaxed also. If we wish the mind to be alert and awake, then it's important for the body to be energetic, to support that quality. And even though these might seem to be contradictory, how can you be both alert and relaxed at the same time? The mysterious thing is that 
in its fundamental nature, when the mind is fully liberated, fully enlightened, it's both perfectly awake and perfectly peaceful simultaneously. These don't obstruct each other. They're mutually supportive qualities in a mysterious and beautiful way. So to support the quality of wakefulness and bring your attention into the body and feel the, the presence of your, your spine, your backbone. And we're not trying to force our, our back into a, a stiff, ramrod straight posture, but noticing how your, your back is being held just invites your body to, to stretch, invite the spine to stretch, to extend to its full, comfortable, natural length. Not to be tense or tight, but just inviting the body to be as upright as it can be. As if there was a string just uh, attached to the top of our head, gently stretching out the spine till it reaches its full, natural, comfortable length. And as the, the back extends and grows, let's notice how that has an effect on the quality of brightness. The mind becomes a little more alert, a little more clear. And with the spine here as the central axis of our body, the, the center of our physical world, and to develop, to cultivate the qualities of relaxation around that, that firm central column, we invite the rest of the body to relax completely. to invite the body to settle, to let it be at ease. So we take a few minutes just to sweep the attention down through the body and piece by piece, part by part, let the body relax. Starting with your face, the muscles of your forehead and your cheeks, your jaw, Notice the sensations there, any tension or tightness, and consciously let them soften. Let the feelings of stress or tension 
tightness, let that seep away, melt away. Let the face soften, be at ease. Especially around the eyes and the mouth, we can sustain an unconscious tightness. The muscles scrunched up. Just notice any tension there. Let it loosen, let it soften. Invite the face to relax. Like a wave of, of uh, softening, soothing energy flowing down through the body. Let the attention come down through the neck into the shoulders. Again, notice any tension or tightness there. The shoulders are hunched or raised. Just let them drop a notch or two. Letting the neck relax. A gentle wave, slowly and steadily, moving downwards through the body. Feeling the presence of your arms and your hands, the bones of the upper arm, the lower arm, the phalanges of the fingers. Just let the muscles relax around them, letting the arms be free from tension, soft. The arms circle the trunk of the body, the chest, the stomach, abdomen, bringing the attention to this central area, the core of our body, the home of all our essential organs. Notice how this, uh, the trunk of the body feels. Again, seeing any, feeling any tension that's here. Then inviting the chest to be a little more open. Just letting the shoulders drop back a little, the chest be more open. Like the bud of a, a flower just starting to, to uh, burst forth, the petals unwinding, unfolding.
letting the stomach, the abdomen soften. Often we hold a residual tension, our basic anxiety about the the nature of the world and ourselves. Our root anxiety can be uh, held as a, a knot of tightness down in the solar plexus. A wall of tension that we hold to armor ourselves against the uncertainties of the world. Just let the stomach, let the abdomen soften and loosen. Let your belly spread a little bit. As you do so, notice how the mood can shift a little. Just as with the spine straightening, you'd find the mind a little brighter, as the stomach softens, loosens. Notice how the feelings of anxiety, fear, worry, also diminish, soften, fade, at least in some small way. And bringing the attention into the pelvis and the hip joints. Feeling the bones of the thighs. The muscles holding the legs in place. Again, just let those joints soften. The muscles and tendons, sinews. Relaxing the hip joints, letting the legs soften. And following this wave of relaxation through the bones of our thighs, through our knees, down to the lower leg, Bones of the lower leg, the tibia and fibula, down into the ankles and the the feet, all the way to our toes. It's giving the body permission to settle, to be at ease. Feeling its presence, feeling its earthy solidity, its warmth. its weight. And when we're able to sustain a balance between energy and relaxation in the body, this helps us in a very direct, distinct way to find that attitude of mind, which is also both completely awake and fully relaxed. It supports the realization, the embodiment of that 
that quality, that balance. But it's hard to sustain that, because while we're busy relaxing our stomach, our eyes have scrunched up again. When we're busy relaxing our shoulders, then our, our hip joints are tightened once again. So let's take a, a couple of minutes now just to steadily sweep the attention up and down through the body and see where any kind of tightness has reasserted itself. If tension has come back into the eyes, let them relax again. If the belly has tightened, let it relax again. If the spine has slumped, to invite it to, to grow and to stretch once again. So we're both setting an intention in place, but also following that up seeing how our intentions have been realized. And where those intentions have have, uh, drifted off, we relax one part and then it tightens up again. We notice that, bring attention to that. And once more, through that act of attention, through that act of awareness, we bring into being this balanced quality, balancing energy and relaxation. Till we begin to get the feel for that, begin to to see and know, to feel how that works. So for the next few minutes, just gently sweep your attention through the body, piece by piece, And wherever you find any kind of imbalance, just let that be known. Let the body readjust itself. So we begin to feel, begin to know that quality of balance itself, balancedness itself. This is what Ajahn Chah used to say is the, the essence of samadhi. Is that very balance?
Now the mind's natural habit is to drift. We set a good intention, we launch ourselves in some direction and then we drift. We get distracted. We lose our momentum. Something comes along and catches our attention. And the more that we're able to sustain an awareness of the present moment, then the less that that drift can happen. The less potential for distraction there is. So that uh, one of the key aspects of meditation is the training of the attention to rest in the present moment to not be caught by ideas of past and future, to, to be snagged by sounds that we hear, or uh, mental impressions, moods that swing through. So to train the attention to stay with the present, one of the most useful direct tools is to take a, a, a mental object, a simple object, and to set that in place as a, a focal point. There are many different things that one can use. The sound of a, 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 a mantra, uh, internally voicing a mantra, uh, imagining uh, a mental image, or looking at a, uh, a candle flame. Many different things we can use, but the most uh, useful for most people, the most accessible, helpful, and uh, workable for most people is to use the natural rhythm of our own breath, the cycle of our inhalations and exhalations, to set that in place to be a, a focal point, a reference point. Now bring attention then to the feelings of your breath, sensations of the inhalation, the exhalation. We're not trying to change the breath in any way to make it special or different. Just feeling how the body breathes in its own way. Feeling the presence of the breath and set the intention to put the mind onto that to stay with the sensations of the breathing, as if that were like at the very center of the mandala, the heart, the calyx of a flower, right here at the center of attention, we set the feelings of the breath, the inhalation, the exhalation. Now for the next few minutes, You see, if we can stay with that simple rhythm, the natural cycle of the, body, the body's breathing, and when you find that the attention has been distracted, caught up by a, a noise we hear in the room, sensation elsewhere in the body, a random plan or memory, as soon as you notice that the mind has drifted, has been distracted. 
be aware of that distracted feeling, notice that, and consciously let go, release whatever it is the mind has taken hold of, the attention snagged by, let it go, come back to the feeling of the breath, like coming back to the center, coming back to the point of balance. doesn't matter how many times the attention wanders, drifts away from the present. We're not trying to force the mind to behave by an act of, of, uh, of will, domination. But rather we're learning how distraction works and learning how to respond to it. So as the attention drifts and gets caught up with great kindness and gentleness, Notice that. Let go of whatever it is that's being grabbed, snagged. Notice how that feeling of letting go is a, a blessing, as a relief, as a, a quality of coming back to reality, waking up. So we let go, come back to the present, back to the center, back to the feeling of the breath once again.
once the Buddha was gathered together with a group of his disciples, and he asked the question, how long is a human lifespan? The first monk said, 70 years, Honorable Sir. The Buddha replied, you don't understand my teaching. And the next one said, 60 years, then 50, 40, 30, 20 years, you don't understand my teaching. 10 years, you don't understand my teaching. 5 years, 4 years, 3, 2, 1 year. We can't expect to live more than one more year. The Buddha said, you don't understand my teaching. Six months, five months, four months. You don't understand my teaching either. One month, we can't expect to reasonably live more than one month. You don't understand my teaching. Half a month. One week. Six days, five days, four days, three days, two days, one day. Venerable Sir, we can't expect to live more than one more day. You don't understand my teaching. Half a day, one watch of the night, a two-hour period. The time it takes to milk a cow, about 20 minutes. You don't understand my teaching either. Through this long list of ever-diminishing periods of time, Buddha keeps responding, you don't understand my teaching. Finally, one of the monks says, we can only expect to live the time it takes to go from the beginning to the end of an in-breath or the beginning to the end of an out-breath or the time it takes to swallow a mouthful of food that we have already chewed. The Buddha said, you understand my teaching. This is a human lifespan. This is what we can reasonably expect. Is the time from the beginning of an in-breath to the end of an in-breath. Not even a whole cycle of in-breath and out-breath. Or the beginning of an out-breath to the end of the out-breath. And if you time it, On average, that's somewhere between three and four seconds. So, it's not a lot of room to play with. But this is a very helpful and powerful reflection. This is what the Buddha pointed to is a human lifespan. This is what we can reasonably expect. This is what we have to play with that we can be sure about reasonably sure about. Just this simple, tiny span from the beginning to the end of an in-breath or the beginning to the end of an out-breath. Therefore, he encourages us to live with that kind of immediacy not to be dwelling in the past or the future, but to be giving our attention to this present, because this is what we we have. This is our 
our zone of, of uh, possibility, our zone of activity. So for these last few minutes of the sitting, last four or five minutes, bringing attention to the breath, and bear this reflection of the Buddha in mind, that as we breathe in, is to think of each in-breath as a birth. The in-breath starts, it's a birth. As it reaches its end, there's the death point. The end of a life. As the outbreath starts, another beginning, following that through, and then the outbreath ends, ceases. to breathe each breath as if it was our first and our last. So precious. But also showing us it's all here. Reality is all here. Bringing the attention into the immediacy, the life of the present. Birth and death, beginning and ending. Right here.
One of the things about that kind of meditation I find very interesting is that sense of unfinishedness. That uh, you, uh, your mind drifts off and picks up a, a, stra- a strain of thought and suddenly you realize, oh, I just got to the end of my, the out-breath. That's the end of my life and I was still halfway through that really good thought. <laughs> that was an unfinished thing, but like the, the, the discussion that we had about brokenness, that uh, even though something might be unfinished on one level, actually <laughs> on a bigger level it, uh, we can see that, yeah, it's finished, or something might be broken on one level, we can see that, yes, well, uh, it's uh, in one aspect it, it's broken, it can't be fixed, but then another way of seeing it means shows us it doesn't need to be fixed. And that uh, when things are, uh, uh, we might feel, oh, but I was just halfway through that, or I was just remembering that then. That feeling, well, it's gone anyway. Just like uh, after we began the sitting, I realized I didn't light the candles. Jara tamomi, jarang nesito. So um, the, uh, that feeling of, oh, that was unfinished, or that wasn't done, or that's incomplete, but then you can turn it into a, a Dhamma teaching. <laughs> So on one level, yeah, I forgot to light the candles and incense, but on another level, yeah, is there anything really missing from the universe right now? So yes, there's something missing or something was incomplete, but yes, everything is, is all here. <laughs>